Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mike Aaron. We're signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. And I am joined in studio once again. I don't know why I always have to say it, but the fans want to know who's sitting right across from me and... Like every other week, it's Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing. Thank you so much for joining us. You're 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 treating this introduction pretty cool and collected right now. Well, I like I'm trying it. to because every time you call me out on smiling, I'm so. tr- I'm trying to get you used to it. I'm trying to get you used to it. I and Dad, you know I never mind when you smile at me when I'm doing the introduction. You know that, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, so thanks again for joining us for yet another week. We have a very interesting and exciting guest coming up. Before we get into that, uh, as we do at the top of most of our shows now, uh, we appreciate all the love and support that our listeners have shown us. As you mentioned, Dad, on our last week's episode, all of these reviews, subscriptions, all that sort of thing has really shot us up the the, the rankings. And, uh, and listen, all of our fans want to be a part of something that ends up being very big before it gets there. Everyone loves that. We've got all the the indie kids listening to our to our podcast and shooting us up the chartable rankings. So we're going to, as we normally do, read out a review uh, that we found on iTunes. And actually, it's two reviews this time. And I know we don't always do a giveaway along with these reviews, but because our guest is who he is, which we'll get into a little bit, we're actually going to give away uh, two signed photos. The first one is going to AC Jet. Left a review via Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Love the podcast. Great content about the game and its memorabilia. A must listen for hockey fans. Thank you so much, AC Jet. As always, reach out to us at signoffpod at framework.com. We'll get your shipping information and send. You are going to uh, get a uh, signed Taylor Hall 8x10 photo. So let us know your uh, your information. We'll get that out to you. And also a, a big... Shout out to Jason Field, who's been a supporter, a big supporter of the podcast in all of its forms, whether it's on YouTube or or the podcast itself. Every single video we post, he's always commenting, liking, interacting with the community. Just recently, he said, if anyone's interested in sports and music memorabilia, even just slightly, this podcast is a must. I look forward to it each week. Thank you. Keep up the amazing work. Uh, Jason, we're going to be sending you out a Mitch Marner signed 8x10 photo. As I said before, reach out, sign off pod at framework.com, and we'll get that out to you as soon as possible. Now, enough patting ourselves on the back. I know we love to do it. You and me, dad, we talk about it all the time. Look, yeah. look at all these reviews. We just sit there in front of the computer looking at all these fantastic. I never see a bad in. one. No, and that's not uh, a lead not, in for anybody no, to just write one. But, no, we're, yeah. we're not asking you to go out and be the first. Uh, uh, but, uh, but we, I will be the first one to introduce our guest this week. Uh, we're talking to one of the biggest agents in hockey, formerly of DHG, DHG sports agency, which merged with Cortex management in 2019, where he now serves as the managing director. He represents some of the biggest names in the sport, including Taylor Hall, Josh Anderson, and Mitch Marner. It's a pleasure to be speaking today with the one and only Darren Ferris. Darren, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, Darren, we were talking before the mics were turned on, and you mentioned that you don't often do interviews. No. Um, how comfortable are you sitting in front of the mic? Is this is this uh, new to you? No, yeah, it's not, not new, but uh, I kind of get a little upset over time uh, the way some of the media portrays things, and it, you know, and it has made me really reluctant in getting on because of the way that things have been, you know. Uh, seems, seems it seems like a you know at, at times kind of volatile in the industry with regards to uh, you know players come under a lot of criticism right. I'd imagine and you as one of their representatives you know potentially their their major mouthpiece uh, in terms of their relation to the to the public do you often or 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 occasionally feel hamstrung by the fact that you're you're not supposed to be speaking out on their behalf as much you may bring them into I mean there are players out there whose agents will speak on behalf of them and sometimes yeah. it gets them into hot water. How hard is it for you to listen to some of the criticisms that that you might hear about some of your players and not be able to respond directly to them, even when you know them to be potentially false? Yes, 
it's difficult. You know, it's it's hard, and where it gets really bothered, like everyone has a right to criticize a right. player on their game and and how they play. But I, I I get really upset when I see them attacking their family members or their their character, or when they don't really know them and they get vulgar. And some of them, you know, I've had in the past where there's been a death threat, and we've right. had to, you know, people think you can hide behind a uh, a, a false name and, sure. and not be caught. It's actually without revealing our, our sources secrets. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we have internally two former NHL security guys that work with us and, you know, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to let that happen. If, if, if it becomes serious, we will trace it. And we have, and recently caught one and, uh, I don't want to disclose what it was, sure. but, uh, there was a death threat made to a player and, and it was a young kid who put a fake name and the police went wow. visit the house and, and I think his mother the fear was going to do a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, the worse to him than what the police were going to do. But you it's, know. it's scary though because there there are so many voices coming from so many places. We had Mike Zeisberger on last week, and we talked about how the journalism industry has just become uh, uh, this this place where everyone can have a voice. And often, especially with something like Twitter, everyone's voice is equally as loud as the next person's voice next to them. So I I could imagine it being almost petrifying knowing that a lot of these quote-unquote threats, uh, they're terrible, obviously, but that a lot of them are probably untrue or it is a, a kid hiding behind a name or something, but you never know. It's the one time you make that mistake. Do you do you find increasingly, because you've been an agent for just years. over 20, 20 yeah, years? Yeah, close to 30 years. Close to 30 years. Do you find that it's changing now in terms of the athlete's relationship to the public uh, with regards to their willingness to engage and their fear of engaging? Yeah, you know what? In Toronto, I think it's a love-hate, and it depends on how they're doing. But right. even if you're doing well, they hate you sometimes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, um, but I think it's serious. I think, you know, I know not too long ago we had a young fella take his life, and in some ways social media, I think, is responsible for it. Yeah. And it's, it's people that are brave, you know, with a fake name and want to, you know, become very – and there's some in mainstream media that just pick it up. And we'll we'll run with something that's a lie. Right. Uh, a couple nights ago, I had to call a, uh, a media guy and who was talking about the Mitch Marner negotiations and and how he brought up a number that supposedly leaves. It was a lie. Yeah. Like it was it was yep. a fictitious. Libel but, is libel. It doesn't how matter. Can you say it? yeah. And so so you know to you know I think we were talking earlier about clickbait. Some people want uh, uh, without any care or you know about people's. I think about it if you're a player. And you have a young kid, you know, and he's growing up, and he's hearing people call you these things. And it's funny, my little nephew, uh, when they were when we were all locked down, they right. had to do uh, their schooling uh, online. So, and the teacher, you know, asked them, "Do you know anyone that might be a little famous, or might know, you know, or might be a celebrity?" <laughs> or something? So, my, to him, he thinks I'm a celebrity, I right? Am, I, <laughs> but to him, I am, right? And so, anyway, he says, "Yeah, my uncle Darren." He said, but everyone on social media hates him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, so th- what I'm saying is if, if, if you're a, a player and you're hearing this and your mother, your father, you're, you know, Absolutely. get attacked, it's, it's shameful, really, yeah. when you think about it. And, uh, you know, some of the people don't understand until you call them out on it that what they're doing, or they do understand, but they think there's no repercussions. For instance... Uh, I just dealt with a, a situation on our social media uh, where people were just calling something crap because of whatever. 
these are quality players, et cetera. It wasn't one of our podcasts, was it? No, Hopefully no, not. no, no. It, was, it was a product that we put out and it was a good quality product. They just didn't like the player. Yeah. So I called the guy out on it and they're not used to getting, I don't think there's too many companies, Upper Deck or Fanatics or whatever, where the president will actually respond directly. And I, I, I learned a long time ago from you, Mikey, what not to, not to respond after a few glasses of wine. <laughs> and I call the guy an asshole, but um, that was an interesting. And, and he said, "Dad, did you call that guy an asshole on social media?" And I said, "Well, yeah, because he was." <laughs> and he said, "You can't do that." So I learned from that because there was repercussions, and I went back and apologized and told him that it was after half a bottle of wine, but or maybe more. Um, but but I called the guy out, and I very respectful and said, "You know what? You know, I took the guy's post down from our website, and I just said." And, and then I saw his comment saying, oh, thanks for taking my post down. And then I responded. I said, we are always interested in, uh, in constructive criticism. However, I didn't think this was very constructive, calling somebody a piece of crap, blah, blah, blah. I said, this is the situation, bang, bang, bang. And it was a long paragraph, and he, uh, he liked it. I mean, So that- all of a sudden, he realizes that there are, you know, responses or repercussions for what you say. I mean, it's... it's- it is true when you engage with the quote unquote trolls one on one, very often they they they're just looking for a bit of attention and, and that's fine and, and there is a, a potential solution, but the the ordeal that you just described, maybe hesitate to call it an ordeal, but but what you just described takes time. You know, you can't respond like that to everyone no. who lobbies a criticism, unfair or not, towards one of your players. With that said, it feels almost like a full-time job. Darren, you, you've been in this industry long enough to have uh, experienced it prior to social media. How much of your time or maybe your, your company's time is now spent to almost damage control uh, of social media or policing these markets? Or, or do you just kind of set it and forget it, ignore it, and whatever happens on social media is, is going to happen? No, we, we, we monitor. We have internally, we manage players' social media now. Uh, their tweets you know, and everything. The, yeah. The great thing is when I merged with, uh, Lino Saputo's, uh, cortex management, uh, we, we have a social media manager and manage players and we use the services of like Joe Myers. At, That's a whole new built. job title yeah, that yeah. never existed 10 years ago. Right. And, uh, um, uh, and so that we're able to control, uh, you know, to the extent that we can, yeah. um, you know, now, do you read them at, like, does this person read them after the fact or is it, is it, is it too late? Do they have to well, pull well, them once down somebody or, posts or do they filter through them to go yeah, out? If there's something vulgar, you can block those people right. or you can. No, but I'm well, talking you're, when you're a talking, player tweets. Yeah. Two oh, different when a player things. tweets. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, we kind of, they get, they provide the okay on it or if they're going to post something, they run it through them. Oh, they in do. In most cases. Yes. They're so supposed to. Sometimes the, they don't. Sometimes. Yeah, because then the guys are in, yeah. like me in a bar somewhere and yeah. see something and post it, and then it's too late. It's out there. Yeah, they can retract it, but it's generally too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you you mentioned Cortex, Darren. Uh, uh, 2019, DHG yes. had merged with them. Um, so you're you're joining a, an agency which at the time had been around four or five years uh, and combined over over 30 years experience between Anton Thun and and Ken Hughes. Um, what did you feel you, you know, as, as, as the leader of DHG brought to the table that may have expanded their capabilities or, or kind of given them a new perspective? Yeah, I, I think they were on a, a great track and, and Lino and the Spudo family have, are very passionate about this. They built a, you know, we've got a facility in Montreal, right. we're building one here in Toronto with uh, two the athletics pads. facility, yes, facility right? yeah. it's got a, it's got uh, training. And then we went out and got Andy O'Brien, who's 
you know, the right. best. One of the best. Well, Sydney yeah, talks about him all the time. 100%. Yeah. Is, and he's, Andy's done a tremendous job in the sports science field. And uh, um, he's worked with many of my guys over the years from, you know, uh, Hall, Taylor Hall, uh, right. Sam Bennett. He also runs the, the BioSteel. Yes, he does. He runs that camp as well. And um, and we did it this year out at our facility as well. I had the BioSteel camp there and uh, real success. Um, and again, so... Um, Forget your question. Well, no, it's essentially, at- you know, you're, you're coming into an agency that has a lot of experience and experienced people, but I, I know that you have a, your own unique way of doing things. What do you feel that you brought to Cortex that kind of uh, gave them something that they may well, not have had? I, I, think, I think in our areas, I said- is clients. Yes, well, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and as you said, they're, they're, they had great people with them. And Kent Hughes now and I work directly together and even the rest of the staff they had, Paul Cabazano and I was Ryan Barnes and we have a great group of guys. And the neat f- thing was when we merged is I had people in certain areas like Switzerland and yep. in Sweden and Czech Republic, uh, um, in Michigan and in different areas that they didn't have. So it was a perfect fit. Right. I had been approached a few times by a few other agencies to merge with them and, uh, the fit just wasn't right. It wouldn't have been right for the guys that worked for me. And, uh, um, this was the perfect fit. It was just, it was the right place in the right time. Actually, so that's an interesting, when you say the perfect fit, it's not only got to be a perfect fit for you, but it's got to be a perfect fit for your clients. Correct. Right. So when you were merging, did you consult with your clients and say, I'm thinking to do this or? Uh, well, I, you know, yes and no. Uh, um, I think they knew that something was going on, but I wasn't going to do something that was going to adversely affect them. Right. I had a chance to, uh, I got offered a ridiculous opportunity with one of the bigger companies that were out there. And, but the problem is we had, uh, you know, an overlap of right. people in certain areas. Right. And of course they say, Oh yeah, no, don't worry. It will be fine. But I know I've been in the corporate world. Sure. I, I know you, after time it's, let's cut, 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 cut. And yep. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't want to put them in the, in that position. I think your players kind of want to make sure though, that you're still hands-on with them. Correct. Because I know the players that you deal with, because mm-hmm. I deal with Mitch and, and have dealt with Taylor for yep. many years and, uh, and they want to make sure that you're the guy that mm-hmm. they make the phone call to primarily. And now you got all this other background, um, things that you may not have had before. So I think they'd all be good with that. Yeah. I, I also wanted to ask, you know, when you made this merger, uh, it, that could mean a, a ton of things. It could mean that you're now sort of working with them or, or is DHG as, as an entity still kind of, does it still kind of exist in a self-contained way within Cortex or, or did you merge fairly? It, it took a while, but it, it, it merged seamlessly. It seems that, you know, the first year it's a you know, you're merging. There's a lot of people right now, all of a sudden working together. And I, I think, uh, you know, Gio Saputo is, is running it uh, and has done a great job of putting together a, a good climate that everybody works together. Right. And, um, and between Kent and I, it's been seamless. Actually, it's been, makes us even more, more powerful, I think, in the marketplace. Um, and uh, the reason I liked it and wanted to do this is, you know, I have a dream of where I wanted it the business to go and how we service the players. Right. And I know with the backing of the Supoto family, I could get there a lot quicker. Right. You know, I'm turning 59 now. It's going to be, you know, I, it would have took me till I was probably 70 or 80 to do what he's doing today. And, and, uh, 
So I thought, you know what, this is great for our players. We're taking care of them before, during, after their 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 uh, careers. Um, we were opening these facilities. We've got a full time like accountant for them to call and ask questions to. Uh, full time attorneys all the time that you got in different areas where there's some expertise. We have a concierge service that whenever they want to go, uh, you know, places they can call and. See, it's, it's fascinating because I think a lot of people hear sports agent and, and just think, well, we're going to sign a contract with them and then, and then go their own way. But there's so much more that you offer. I mean, it's not Cortex agencies, it's, it's Cortex management. And, right. and do you find having those facilities, you mentioned the, the athletic facilities and the concierge service and, and the accountants and, and the lawyers and all that. How much easier is it now to attract these younger players? You know, now that you are more of a conglomerate and there's well, a bit more power versus when you were starting out and, and maybe didn't have the names under under contract like you do now. Yeah, I mean, it was hard when I started. I mean, I started there on my own with the, another fellow and then ended up with a bigger firm. Yeah, well, I actually wanted to, to dig into that a little bit I, because you had mentioned earlier yeah. that you used to go to the gardens and, and watch Mario Lemieux right. skate just because you love the way he skated and wanted yeah, yeah. to see more of him. Well, sure. Let's, let's put that question on hold then and, and, and pull on that and find, you know, did you, did you play hockey as a kid? I did. I wasn't very good. <laughs> did you, did you know, and was I, it, was it always usually the no, response from all ages? Really, you know, <laughs> how did you get you know the, while funny? I played, but I wasn't very good. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't plan to be in this business. I was, uh, it's funny. I was coaching my girlfriend's brother at the time. Yeah. You know, I was just going through time and, uh, and then eventually ended up coaching with a good friend of mine, Greg Ireland, at, with the Oakville Blades. And my brother and I started a nutrition business. And I decided, hey, you know what? Uh, I got to leave coaching. It doesn't pay well, first of sure, all. Right. At least back then. Now yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, our nutrition business was taken off. And, and my buddy said, uh, you know, why don't you be an agent? You can stay in touch with the game and so forth. And, and that's really the decision process. So I... I left the nutrition business eventually and, uh, and but when you, you become an agent, yeah. did you have a line on any clients at the time? I had a few, you... my, my first client was Frank Ivankovic, who's now with Molson's. <laughs> uh, he was a six foot five. He's a beer agent. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, his son's playing now. I actually just saw his son yeah, yeah. play the other day. So I'm feeling real old. <laughs> um, and, uh, I remember Frank played not with the Oshawa generals and, uh, um, yeah. Uh, and I remember going to a game with Frank. Frank never took it serious. He was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. But sure. I remember going to a game in Oshawa and watching him and uh, pucks are going in from the blue line. And I after the game, I thought, Frank, I looked down and I said, do you wear glasses? Like, <laughs> and, he, and he said to me, uh, uh, no, but I have contacts, but I don't wear them during the game because they bug my eyes. So, oh, wow. <laughs> You'd so, think you know, that might be a little <laughs> yeah, bit important, yeah. right? So, yeah. uh, anyway, made a lot of money off him. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting before we get into sort of the whole track yeah. that you took through, through sports agencies, you've worked for, for various companies yeah. and, and, and are now where you are, but, but we talked earlier as well uh you guys you crossed paths with with mike zeisberger before yeah. before starting and, and you had mentioned you know to mike it must be strange you know having gone through the path that you went and a lot of you know in the past you needed a, a journalism degree you needed to go to school to right. study this and now anyone can make a twitter account or a youtube channel and potentially get to where they need to be sports agency has kind of followed the opposite path where it used to be you just kind of know potentially a couple people and that sort of gets your foot in the door. Nowadays, people go to school to become an agent. People get law degrees so that they can help with the contracts. 
How has that changed? Is, is there advice that you can give to people coming into the industry? And if so, does it differ wildly from how you got into the industry? Yeah, I, I think, you know, a law degree is definitely a, a benefit, but you're not really creating any language or anything. Everything's mm -hmm. a boilerplate. Right. Everything's collective bargaining. Right, right. You got to, but you got to know the market. You got to know the dollar. You got to right. know how to set up the strategic ways you set up contracts. Is it similar on the way, you know, what players' rights are in the case of the Marner negotiator? Sure. Josh Anderson and Max Domi, when I was doing that, that deal, uh, how you create leverage there there's, and, and the, the right way to do a deal. Uh, right. So that, you know, you maximize your players, uh, earning potential. For and, sure. And it's funny in, in the market, uh, most fans will think players are greedy. They should take less. And, yeah. Uh, I hear media guys sometimes say, Hey, you know, why take didn't he less, take, take less, less to come yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I remember telling Elliot Freeman, I said, Hey, really? Like, if you think a player should take less, I said, what about if I said to you, um, here at Sportsnet, yeah. uh, why don't you take a little bit less? We want to go get Todd yeah. uh, Craig Button from yeah. TSN right, and bring right. him over here. Would you do that? And, right. And, you know, so it's, you know, people can't really relate. And even when we get into when the players lock out or the owners lock out the players. From, right. You know, everyone thinks it's them going on straight. It's not. The right. players are locking them out. Right. And and then, but if, and, and then they take the side of the owners. Right. But if Ford goes on strike, you take a side of the, the employee, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's flip. a weird, you know, flip. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's weird. Now, I, I, can we talk briefly about, uh, uh, 2019 when you were in, in that process of, of signing a new contract for Mitch, uh, he was a restricted free agent. And you mentioned earlier, uh, that, that, uh, in, I believe your nephew's school, they said, yeah, hey, yeah. do you have anyone famous? And well, social media doesn't, doesn't like him. Is there a strategy in, because uh, obviously for, for those of you who are listening, there there was a little bit of a holdout in order to get the best possible contract. Uh, no, he wasn't, for... wasn't holding out. When you're not under contract, you're not holding right, out. Fair, right, fair, fair. So... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's true. Yeah. But do you, do you find that you're often consciously putting yourself as the spokesperson in order to take some heat off of the player? Is, that, is there a strategy yes, there? And you're trying to, you're trying to get some semblance of reasoning and understanding to people. It's hard and it's quick bite or a quick, Yes. It on a radio and then you get someone interpreting it wrong uh, right you know mr marner was on on radio mm -hmm. talking about his son being a leader on the team now he never ever said hey i want him to be captain but everybody took that took as, that as oh yeah. well, i want mitch to be captain which is not true right uh, um, i mean that poor family gets crucified in the media or in social media for no reason right yeah. and but you know what these are you know probably not you know, these are people that don't understand, you know, really that if they felt that I'd love to say, how would you like someone saying that about you, you know, making yep. up stories and lying and Do you and think that you? some of the criticism comes like when you talk about owners versus players, correct? Okay. So a lot, and you said it's, it's a reverse situation. Some of the uh, players tend to get more flack than the owners who are probably 10 times. Well, not probably in most cases, 20 times wealthier than the players are. But then you start thinking, well, why did the players get more criticism? And I'm thinking that a lot of people like myself grew up playing hockey, et cetera, et cetera. And then you see a player making 10 or $20 million and say, well, all they're doing is playing hockey. Right, and right. how come they're making 20 million? They're not looking at the owner side where this guy might have cheated and still, no, I'm not saying, well, but we, got it, got his got, money. Got there somehow, yeah. Somehow. And we don't have a true revenue, sh revenue right. sharing because, they, right. you know, whenever you see expansion, 
players don't get a piece of that. Like right. it's, there's, there's right. so many th- areas where they right. don't get a piece right. to, to, so, so to value the, 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 the revenue share. And two, they don't understand, like say the player makes a million bucks, you know, to average Joe working for 30, 40 grand. And yeah, it's a lot of money. They're going to say, oh, wow, that guy's making a million dollars. Well, he's not making a million. You know, right. Let's remember 54 here in Toronto, 54% goes to tax. Yes. You're giving 20% back to the owners right. in escrow in the revenue sharing. Now you're now this is before you pay any fees. So there goes seventy four percent of your money is right. already gone. Right. Well, okay, but in fairness, most people would trade that in a heartbeat. No, but but yes, but, but you got to pay right. your agent. It's still a lot of right. money. Well, the, the agents make way too much money. <laughs> yeah. uh, you got to pay your you know your 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 training costs. Yeah. Your, you know, and and then remember, your career is short. It's not right. a, not yes, a long career. To- and yeah, potentially and we, shorter than you yeah. even realize. You have to look out for yourself for the next. I mean, so, especially you look at like the NFL. I mean, those contracts. But it's all relative. Like, I mean, depending on the industry that you're in, I have employees that, I, that work for me that that um, certainly, if they were in another industry, could make double. But a, in another industry, they would make half. Yeah, it's our industry can pay this because that's what our industry is about. Then. It's the same if you're a hockey player or a pro athlete. Yes, the money is is big time, but that's that industry, and you can't look at your industry in a fact as a factory worker and say, "Well, look at they're making too much money because I work harder than they do. They got summers off, they right, got about, right, whatever." So it's all relative. My point was really that why should the players take most of the heat when the owners are on the other side of that thing making way more money and. And getting way more, you know, and the, way more and the cap from. system, you know, you right. got a cap system that doesn't work, right? And it's it's hurting teams. So the ire of the people is just going towards the players because he can't get in it. Well, that sh- you know, their their frustrations should go to Gary, right? right. Not, he's the one right. that created this system that's that's causing the problem. Do you do you and, have any opinions on what it might be that that doesn't work as well as it could with the, the, cap, with system. the cap system? No, yeah, wait, no wait. it just you can't. It, it's it, it's it's it, we're at. You know, first of all, it's stopping teams from, you know, growing and getting the, you know, becoming those or giving that opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. Right. I think it's making it more difficult. Uh, don't forget, twenty years ago, we had more ten million dollar contracts than we have today. Right. And those guys that were making ten million are GMs of teams that are trying to say, hey, you shouldn't be making ten million. Right. All I, I actually didn't. That's that's yeah. an interesting way to put it. So, yeah, yeah. You know, think about it and. Uh, uh, I got my view. I don't. I can't say it now. I got to wait till I retire. <laughs> I can't say what my views on some of that stuff is. But you know, I, I think when, you know, when Bob Goodenow was around and with the PA, I think it's unfortunate that he's out because I think we would have had the right system with him in in there. And 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 now, you know, poor Don has to deal with what right what's in front of him, right, and right. Uh, and he's doing the best he can with. This system, this is this is cap there system. is there a league out there that you think has a uh, a cap system that you think would benefit the NHL more than our current system? I don't, I don't think a cap system works. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not the true, you know. Well, as as it stands, you know, right now with uh, I, I. What this, about if your business I had to cap? <laughs> Wouldn't you love to cap all your employees? And I said, hey, well, I, Brian, yeah. you can only make so much. It well, is, there, there's minimum wage, yeah. but other than that, yeah. Well, that's that's it's that's almost the opposite, right? It is yeah. interesting to think that there's, and I understand it's in you know. How about maximum wage? Though? Maximum. Well, wage. how about if you had yeah. revenue sharing, you can go back to your employees and get money back for what you lose? <laughs> uh, well, you know what I. I do have a system, but it only works one way. Yeah, that's right. If I have a great year, everybody's knocking but on my door what if for you bonuses. Had a bad year, and bad, you, nobody if you, wants to give it back. But what if you could? 
well, then I would love that. But the the NHL can do that. Well, <laughs> it's not only that. It's I have a good year and I hand out Christmas bonuses or whatever, and the next year isn't good, and they're still expecting the Christmas bonuses because they got them last year. I said, guys, you're all we're all in this together. But it is. It's interesting because it does speak to this general understanding of of what sports are, and I think a lack of of acknowledgement that yeah, you know, as we were talking about with Mike last week, sports are a business. Yep. You know, it, it it is very much like that. And to your original point, Dad, when you when you mention you know people see the players, oh, I grew up playing hockey, and they're making a million dollars and this and that. It doesn't matter if they're making a million or three or four or five. It's that they they conflate the idea of being a hockey player for a profession with playing a game for a profession, and those are two very different things. Yeah, absolutely. so it's I think it does benefit to look at the industry as a whole and recognize that it's it's an industry. Now to sort of look uh, more more in depth with with the industry, uh, you've you've Darren negotiated contracts across the league. Uh, one of which, as we mentioned, was the the 2019 contract signing with with Mitch Marner in Toronto in a very public uh, uh, setting. Do you find a major difference trying to sign new contracts among other teams? Is there always this scrutiny, or do you find that Toronto is is more specifically going to be harder on on the no, process? No, I, I think you know through that whole negotiation, it was you know it's unfortunate the way it went, but it was I don't think the Leafs were expecting the cap to hinder them as it did. So right. unfortunately they tried to, you know, at that time had right. to try to get Mitch to, you know, quarter sort of help them out in that area. But sure. he helped them when he was right. when he was a, a rookie when he first went in. Absolutely. He signed that contract to against my wishes. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> because know, he wanted to because be he wanted Toronto. to and he and he gave up his bonuses so that it would help the team. Right. So it wouldn't affect their salary cap. Right. Without any credit or saying yeah, hey, no, thanks Mitch or in public general nobody public, knows that general public always feels if you're from Toronto you want oh they should give them a hometown advantage because yep. they're Toronto and he did and that but yep. yet yeah, no, one, does. no one no one really they acknowledged it or or said anything so uh you know and then everyone gets mad with you know if Darren brings it up it's all of a sudden the fans don't like you know like they don't realize that that's what he did back then right now right and yet they still attack a player like that who, yeah, yeah. you know, does more charitable work in Toronto than, you know, he's from Toronto and, and you just have a lot of haters on there. So yeah, yeah. there's nothing you can do. And back to your question about the social media and how do you, you know, you try to protect a player as yeah. much as you can. And in those cases, and uh, uh, it's unfortunate that there's people out there that feel that way and, yeah. uh, and that have, you know, they may have issues, you know, issues internally themselves and it's their way of venting and getting it out. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of that. I mean, that's that's a whole uh, major conversation yeah. about social media and why people act the way that they act. Uh, but it's tough to insulate a celebrity from that. Yeah, it's hard. And they have the right to, to criticize a player's play, but I don't think they have a right to criticize their character or their family or their... Right. Um, that's get vulgar line, and right? get... Yeah, like... Yeah. But again, a lot... There's guys in mainstream media that instill it and they, they, they run with a lie they, right and it's terrible well, they do that too i want to get back mikey to sure. you cut off or stopped with that first uh, client that you had but where was your first um the first big step into the agency business with your first player how did you get that sure. who was that player well that, that first really player first that, I, that my first client was bates battaglia Right. Uh, okay. Him so. and his brother won the amazing race right. there a few years right. ago. And, yeah. <laughs> was that another but contract he, uh, you negotiated uh, for that uh, one? He was, you know, he did very well. But I mean, I remember he was in Lake State. He was my first client. We drove all the way to uh, Hartford for his draft. And uh, uh, 
Bates, he's a great kid. He's in Carolina. How did you meet him? How did you get involved? Well, Greg was coaching him up in, in Caledon. Okay. And I introduced me to him and then uh, uh, and got to know him and uh, ended up working with him from that point. And that's in early in my career as I'm starting off. Right. And do you find like and, one player leads to another? Like So, so Bates, recognizable name. Yep, a lot of yep. people, hockey fans will know that name. But uh, And then you move in. So So now we're... I don't know. Jumping ahead, was Mitch one of the? Well, no, uh, no. I, I mean, back then I had more. I had, jeez, uh, I, I, back when when that was uh, Daniel Kachuk was probably my first. Okay, I real high Rick Jackman. Those names you might right. know. Uh, you know, as as time went on, then I had you know Nathan Horton, Anthony Stewart, Jason Spezza. I helped in getting him into Brampton, and okay. you know that whole ordeal right, right. And we, before Would, before we had the. Uh, exceptional status rule. Right. If you lived in a certain vicinity of the team, you would be able to have that player on your team. And back then I took him to Mississauga at first and uh, Peter what was the coach's name there, Peter. Um, anyway, he didn't want Jason. So I called Stan, Stan did, Stan would take him in Brampton. And I ended up, Stan my brother's in real estate. We sold his house in, in Mississauga, moved him to Brampton and he played for the Brampton Battalion, and then the next year, of course, got drafted right, to. Uh, right. Now, would you would you have been with Or Hockey Group at this point? At that point, you... I was with Or Hockey Group. Yeah. Um, uh, but prior to that, I was with uh, with Newport for about a year and a half, and right working with uh, Pat Morris closely, and uh, uh, taught me a lot in this business, and uh, and then I went on with Or Hockey for about eighteen years. Yeah, eighteen. So, and uh, I, I I was curious too because you you know working with Newport and then or Hockey Group uh, now now essentially running your own company. Right. What is the major difference as as an agent uh, when you are running the company as opposed to maintaining clients? Is it is it a different job or is it largely the same? It's largely the same. I mean, you're still day to day working with. I always worked with my clients closely. Right. I mean, I helped Connor yeah. McDavid there when I helped do his exceptional status deal. Him and Aaron Ekblad, and, uh, the deal with Erie and uh, right. Uh, and over the years. And then when I, when I did eventually leave on my own uh, start and Sam Bennett was my first client who, you know, to me is very special and really, you know, I'm close with Sammy and sure. Um, uh, and then Taylor Hall and a bunch of the other, as, as their contract came up, of course you can't recruit a player because, you know, I had a non-compete. Right. Right. So eventually they started coming back to me because of the, because you know what I I do know Darren fairly well and I know his clients and and we have a great relationship working with his clients uh, through Darren but I do know from speaking with the players directly the respect that they have and and you talk about the different agencies so you know and I I have dealt with most of the agencies from CAA and Newport and and then more boutique companies etc but um, and there's a big difference between a lot of them you know you talk to the players and and uh, some of the like big, big companies are, they're factories. They have tons of players and right. they have to have much bigger operations and more people handling. Um, and then there's the, the more specialized companies or that, that are agencies where the agent has a much, well, everybody's, every player has an agent that they like and, and otherwise they're not with that guy. But I did just find that they have a lot of respect for Darren as an agent because he spends the time he shows up at places that, you know, other agents wouldn't have the time for other agencies. 
So I think that's why he has those kind of relationships with the players that he keeps. Yeah, I, I want to kind of go through that that path because we, we mentioned Or Hockey Group and when we mentioned DHG and, and Cortex, we, we didn't mention, uh, I believe you, you would have left uh, Or Hockey Group in, would that have been 2012? Uh, yes. And you were 2012, 2012. And and I want to, I want to kind of set that, uh, Mm -hmm. that timetable up to lead into my next question. Because as you mentioned, uh, Darren is, 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 is highly respected among the the hockey community. And and that's why players often uh, flock towards you in 2018. You had a fairly high profile client. This is post or group, obviously, uh, change his past representation from the or group, uh, to move in with you at DHG and in Taylor hall. Now, in, it, it feels like in this industry, a player changing representation is a fairly before you go further on that. Sure. He was, he was my client at, right, at right, right, right. So right. I was working with him. The only reason he was left behind is his deal was still continuing. Right. And I made a deal with the player that, Hey, you stay there till you're not getting the service or until you're the end of your deal by your next deal. Yes. If you're uncomfortable, then you come over and that was the case in Taylor's. So. Right. Yeah. Not to paint yeah. it as a coup by any yeah, stretch, yeah. but I, I do kind of want to talk about why it is such a, 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 a big deal when a player switches representation. I mean, I mean, you have hockey teams and players get traded quite often, but it seems like there's an added level of intimacy between an agent and, and a hockey player. Um, in, in the, in the case of or group specifically with, with Taylor, uh, essentially retaining his services with you mm-hmm. because he was with you prior to that. When that does happen, you know, in Taylor's case or another one, is there ever any bad blood between the new agency well, and the I, old one? Or I is mean, it, that's our business, right? Yeah. It's uh, the animal. I mean, it's funny when uh, there's a young lawyer that I, that's, I've been working with me for eight years. I keep saying to left law school recently. I keep saying that and it's, he's been with me for 10 years now, eight, <laughs> nine years. But it's funny when he came to me, I said, look, if you're, you're, you want to get into this it's more ruthless than the law profession. So right. make sure this is what you want to do. And is, uh, is that it? So, so in a similar way, you know, when you take to the ice to, mm-hmm. I, I love comparing it to, to hockey because it's, it's, it's kind of on the outskirts of, of hockey, obviously mm-hmm. parallel to it. You know, you have two players on the ice that duke it out and then shake hands after the game. Is there that respect among industry? Uh, you know, yes, yes. And no, I mean, I, I think there is, for most part, for most of us, they're very cordial and very, you know, like, but it is competitive. Right. And, uh, you know, and you, you know, walk, players move from yeah, agency and to get, agency. Yeah. And, 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 and listen, I, I had a hard time when Max Domi came over to myself and Fabrice are very good friends. Right. And, and, but he was going to go to somebody else and, you know, and Pat said, hey, Darren, you know what, if anyone's going to have him, I'd rather you have him. So I continued to, and, and Ty and I are good friends, so it might not have been in. the same situation with uh, Austin Matthews leaving. No, no, I know that. <laughs> I know, uh, but you know what? Uh, sometimes it just doesn't work. And, right, right. Uh, you know, and and quite frankly, over time, I I think the secret is being there to you. Know, you got to defend your players. You got to sure. protect your players, and I think we do that very well at Cortex and also the way we set up contracts, set up players to maximize their, but I mean, we recently did Darnell nurse at 9.3 million. You know, right. we've got Josh Anderson, you know, mind you today, it's looking like great. Now, you know why I fought so hard for it. Right. You know? yeah, right. Everyone thought I was crazy. You know, yeah, I, I, I didn't cause yeah. we signed him on board with us. <laughs> no, but, but it, he had one goal when he signed that deal. You know? Yeah. But you Max. told me, you said, this yeah. guy's going to excel in Montreal yeah. and you watch what happens. And you know, I, 
you know, sometimes I can take the word of the agent and say, okay, you see something. <laughs> I've signed a lot of players that they told me that the agents just wanted to get the deal yeah. done. And, um, you know, Gilbert Brule, a few I mean, other it's guys all, it never always... really did what they were supposed to. And I'm stuck with, you want $10,000 worth of Brule stuff right now, you can have, no, I don't want to. <laughs> that, but... It's always a gamble. I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, being in this industry, it is that, you know, you can gamble on sports by placing a bet or you can enter into the industry and try to align with. But I think when a player moves from one agency to another, um, it's about, and you went into some details about how you waited and the contracts over, even though you had the previous relationship with Taylor, you waited the contracts over. That's a respectful way. Right. When I think it's perceived that somebody pilfers a player, yeah. even though, you know, that goes around the, the, the kind of guidelines and does that, that's when the animosity. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate. It happens in our business. Yeah. I don't go happens after in every players business. that way, but sometimes, and then you know what happens sometimes, sometimes a player reaches out to, Another sure. agency sure. through via someone else, or it's, it's just not, they're dissatisfied with the service, the level of service that they're getting. And, and hey, I've had young players that we've, I mean, I'm in the autograph yeah. business, okay, so that doesn't put me any anywhere near in that league. But I've had players, young players, that have sit down, sat down with me and, and talked to me about what do you think about this? Because I've got the the you know, this agent, I'm not really happy. Right. How do you, you know, what should I be doing? And I'm don't you have a father or somebody else yeah, that you can yeah. go to because I'm I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place, but I'll try and advise them through 30 years of being in the business, understanding the way it's evolved from, you know, the old days to the new days in terms of agencies and that. And so, but I hear it directly yeah. that they're not happy with what they're getting out of their agency. And do you have somebody that you're working with that would suit me better than the agency that I have? And then I always send them to Darren. Yeah. <laughs> always, always. Right. Well, well, you mentioned Darren that there's there was kind of you know people going against the the, the code or the rules or the unwritten rules. Sort of is there? There is, and you know the other problem today is uh, you know even when they're younger, they get they're going even younger nowadays. Yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, how early they're going. Some of these agents who probably don't have the, shouldn't say the confidence, but the because the, they don't have the experience or the the knowledge or the expertise, let's say, even though they might have been in the business a little while, they have a couple of NHL guys that, sure. you know, that befriended them when they were younger and trusted them along. May not have great contracts, but we're pretty happy with, I guess, the rest of it. Yep. Uh, uh, but those guys go out and now they hire say a hockey school guy, he's going to recruit for me. Um, this coach is going to recruit for me. This guy's going to, so he promises to them a little, to grease them a little bit. Right. And, and now you've got this player going with them. And over time, uh, you know, they become close friends. And then all of a sudden they are with a guy that's probably an inferior agent. Right. Who, right. and we can talk about some of the contracts longer, right? out there yeah. that I don't want to go through them because yeah. I don't yeah. want to pick on people, but there are guys that didn't maximize their potential. Their their I have a, a, an interesting question because this just came up. I've been following a young player mm -hmm. um, who I think is an extraordinary talent. We'll talk about him later. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the problem, I wanted to ask your advice on where the kid's playing now. Kid's 12 years old. Okay. He, he's not able to get to a major center right now. Um, and that's where the competition is. You know, if you're in a rural area where there isn't the big, uh, the most competitive guys and you're on that level right now, how important is it for that 
um, kid to get to Toronto, Pittsburgh? Or you know what? Every, every situation is different. But, uh, you know, in most cases, I would say 90% of the cases, they should stay where they are because there's nothing wrong with dominating. They'll find you. Fair. Uh, so I, that's, that's the I question. Always, They'll I, find I, you? I remember, you know, with a player I dealt with, um, I don't want to get the organization in trouble, so I'm not going to say who it was. Uh, this young player wanted to leave an organization to come to Toronto. And the team in Toronto offered the father an apartment and a whole bunch of things to come play in the greater Toronto hockey league. Right. And I, and I let them go through all the, the interviews and the due diligence, everything that they had to do. And, and then at the end of the day, I said, now, why would you want to leave where you're dominating and you're getting to play power play, penalty kill, um, you know, and you'll be the reason that team falls apart. Right. Why not be the reason you stay and that they do well and you dominate, you play a lot, you get a chance to play up with a tier two team or a Royal Bank Cup. Sure enough, that's everything that happened. Got huh. drafted to a great OHL team uh, owned by two former players and uh, and then ended up, he's playing in the National Hockey League today. So at that's the end of the day, as long as you're dominating, yeah, that's important. You know, I, I, I remember seeing teams that, powerhouse peewee team or minor midget teams that you thought all these guys are going to the NHL and not one. I can, I don't want to name those names either, but there, there is one that in particular, it comes to my mind. And, uh, I think only one guy came off it. That's Foley's team back when he was younger. I mean, he's made it, but his whole team was was a powerhouse. Yeah. It's it's fascinating because I you know you you almost expect the stock answer to be you know play with people who are better and that'll make you better and this and that but but you coming at it from a different perspective of of sometimes as a player the best thing to do is get noticed and, you know? and, and dominate and and you know and where be, would you put Shattuck in that That's that a great program. It's a yeah, great it's program. A great it's program. off the beaten path, yeah. but I think everybody's looking there because that's where some of the greats go. Yeah. McKinnon. Gage, no, let's face Crosby. it. Those guys, they're God-given talents. You're not going to... Right. I always they're laugh when a coach, coach says to me, uh, you know, I made this guy or I made that guy. And I said, well, what happened to the other 24 <laughs> yeah. that you had? Like, uh, right. You know, like... <laughs> you know, that's so, a great line. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. And you hear it all the time, you know? Um, Taking credit for the player. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking, we're running a little bit low on time, but we were talking about uh, uh, how it is kind of a big deal sometimes when a player switches agencies, but uh, it, it seems as though there could potentially be a similar conflict when an agent switches agencies. Um, when you started DHG in, in 2015, 2015? Mm. I believe? 20, 20, 20, no, 20, DHG was in 20... Uh, yeah, I think you might be right. 2015. Yeah. Um, a few agents had had come with you at, at this point in time from from other places. Is is it all... Well, actually, it was the, the group I had together that I brought that we when we created that company yeah uh they were with me and it was me running it and they were representing and they players. left to come no okay yeah, so you weren't you weren't case. taking clients no, from no. Anyone. that does happen in the industry i'm not saying it it was something yeah i were, mean I, I know there's there's some firms where agents have left and gone to another or started their own no yeah gone to another agency yeah you know that happens is where, that is there a similar level of of almost animosity or 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 is it all in the way that you do it yeah, and it depends. You know, listen, you can have you can have situations on both sides that are not healthy. Right. And so it's, it, it, you can't really paint it with one brush sure. and say, hey, this is the way things. As a, as a, uh, an owner of a, a company or, or one of the, what do you call it, on your level, yeah. and then you might hand off a player to be handled by a junior. 
Is there any fear that that junior then builds the relationship and maybe takes the client and, and leave? I, I'll tell you, I have the same issue here. One of my biggest competitors, well, not biggest competitors, but uh, in, in a part of my business was a guy that worked in my plant. Right. And um, he just went off on his own, took, he kept track of all the customers and took them and off he goes and starts his own company. Um, got most of those customers back, but, <laughs> but he's still in the business. Is there that fear that if you hand off or you're not dealing with somebody directly and you, I mean, with the bigger firms, they have to do that. You know, yeah, I'm not in that position where I'm handing off guys because we're, and and we work as a team. A lot of us, like, you know, here in Toronto, when we're recruiting, like myself, Paul, Dylan, we work together and, you know, we're put it this way you want a player to be able, if he's in trouble and I'm on a plane to Sweden, I want to make sure there's somebody he can call if I'm not available, if there's an issue. So that's why nobody's being handed off in, in our case. Uh, if it's, if you're, if you're doing that, then yeah, you leave yourself susceptible to the fact that if that person leaves. But in a big firm, like a real big yep. firm, say Newport or CAA or whatever, I mean, uh, Pat Brisson or, or, uh, Donnie Meehan, they yep. can't be with all their clients Correct. all the time. Right. So they need somebody within the firm that they trust. that's not going to go off on their own to, to be with some of their better clients and et cetera. So but you're, I think that's why you, you have your clients that you do is you, you're very hands-on with all of them. And, and a lot of times the other guys do as much as they can, but it leaves them, it leaves them a little vulnerable. Yeah. In some cases. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all fascinating. You know, I think you kind of touched on it as well, dad, when you were talking about, you know, every industry has that problem yeah, and no, it's, it, sure. you know, it's all about relationship management, not just being an agent and your relationship with the players, but the relationship and with trust. the, and trust with the, yeah. with the, the agents that work with you and, and potentially under you, it just says, you know, our employees are liable to do those things and take some of that information, but it, it seems like it occurs across all industries. And that's one of the things that we love to talk about on this podcast is, is to talk about how much of a business and a relatable business uh, exists around the world of sports and sports marketing in particular. Uh, fascinating conversation all around. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for joining us is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to point people towards any anything you want to shout out can't tell you anything <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear about it mike zeisberg will be yeah. writing yeah. about it shortly <laughs> there we go there we go uh amazing either way i, I highly suggest that you uh, that you go out there and and uh, take a look obviously at your your client list some of the uh some of the best players in the league uh, i appreciate you taking the time to come over here and talk with us and shedding some light on the industry that you work in uh for uh, darren ferris once again for brian aaronworth president of frameless sports marketing and myself mikey aaronworth this has been the sign off podcast and this is us signing off well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching The Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadoo Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it.